Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for joining us. This segment is brought to you by Buxton. Close deals faster and mitigate risk with data-driven insights. Visit buxtonco.com. Well, today we're going to talk about a sector and some business going on in the world today that uh, we're all a little bit familiar with, and that's industrial and, and logistics. Uh, but what's really going on? Are we overbuilding or is there uh, enough supply? Uh, and what's the demand for industrial space doing to uh, uh, rents? And are buyers, are investors finding enough properties to sell? And how is that impacting cap rates? Well, let's find out. Please welcome my guest. It's Doug Ressler. He is Business Intelligent Man Manager at Yardy Matrix. Doug, good to see you again. Michael, thank you very much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Well, Doug, I guess the first question I have, and I think everybody pretty much knows that, you know, industrial is doing well, but, you know, how long is this going to last? I mean, this COVID thing obviously drove a lot of us to be a little more comfortable with buying things online. You know, what's it look like? Here we are at, uh, you know, July of 2021. What's it look like moving forward for, for demand and, and our use of, of these industrial properties? Industrial is on fire right now, and we see a continued long-term growth in it. And the reason why is because not no, the pandemic has accelerated change, and it's accelerated change in terms of uh, not only e-commerce, e but also the supply chain model. And so what you're seeing is dramatic, permanent, not transitory, but permanent change uh, that's occurring in the supply chain and the commercial real estate necessary to support that supply chain. Uh, change. So we think it's a uh, long term right now. And at the same time, it is also being used by a lot of uh, folks to complement uh, their portfolios in terms of growth potential. It provides an amazing growth potential right now and cap rates uh, accordingly that uh, other asset classes don't. Right. So a lot of investors are kind of diversifying uh, to get into some industrial. Uh, and I guess, especially if uh, if they're been paying these apartment cap rates that are so low, right? <laughs> no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what, and what about uh, rents, Doug? It seems like for, for many, many years, I mean, I've been in this business a long time, and so have you, and, and uh, industrial rents just kind of barely slowly crept up. Uh, but what are we seeing lately? We're starting to see it really increase, and especially in those areas that are coming back online faster. Uh, you'll see the Port of L.A., Los Angeles uh, is now reopening. Uh, the vacancies are, you know, obviously very uh, down. Uh, they're not high anymore. Uh, they can't get enough through the port. And so what you see is a slight creep in terms of the rental prices there, along with the Inland Empire places like that. So, again, it, the trend is following the transportation. Uh, Kansas City, uh, the Midwest, uh, Cincinnati, uh, Dayton. Uh, Indianapolis, those are all sitting on major transportation hubs. And so what you start seeing is the demand is great, ergo the prices go up, basic economics 101. Yeah, and give us some examples, Doug. I mean, some of these tenants, uh, when they renew these leases that maybe they did 10 years ago, may be in for some rate shock, right? 
Uh, uh, tentatively, yes, they may be because don't forget, it's very competitively priced, especially in urban gateway cities. And so you don't have an infinite amount of land available. So you have, you know, a very finite commodity and you have a, you know, compressed or pent up demand for it. Yeah, it's going to drive that rent. You also have big competitors, uh, single tenant users uh, who will remain nameless, uh, but uh, they are driving longer term leases. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some opportunities for some of our listeners around the country. They may be in larger markets or smaller markets uh, related to uh, last mile uh, and to get the distribution to to all of us that, that we want everything like the Jetsons now, right? We want everything now, you know, we go up to the wall, push a button, tell somebody and it, and it shows up immediately. Um, what are some of the size ranges of some of these last mile locations and and, uh, and how close are they to the, the actual cities or are they in the cities? Well, they can be as small as 25,000 square feet and things like that, but there are certain things that they have to have in terms of limitations, like height limitations, things like that. Are they in the cities? Yeah, they're really situated close to the urban cores or the core of where the market demand is. In other words, how am I going to get it to people? They're also situated in places like uh, near academic uh, institutions. Students buy an awful lot of things via e-commerce and things like that, and they want their stuff even faster than normal people do. Right. So for a real industrial uh, building, uh, well, they need ceiling heights of, of how, how high? For an industrial building, it would be at least 19 foot, maybe even uh, taller to like uh, 30, things like that. And that's to hold uh, large skids, things like that, or automated warehouse retrievable systems. Uh, the smaller ones are using smart uh, technology. You see a lot more smart technology going in. So some of the smaller uh, last mile fulfillment centers can uh, can actually uh, accommodate a little bit less. Okay, so some of the listeners may have properties that uh, could be used as fulfillment centers uh, that may be uh, are adaptive reuse? Absolutely. Repurposing, we're seeing that occur, especially for last mile in terms of schools, public buildings, things like that, even a post office. Uh, so you see a lot of that that is occurring right now at, at retail. Um, so uh, medical office buildings want to be closed to supplies and things like that. And, and we see a lot of uh, retail being repurposed for that. Yeah, and we've all experienced the uh, challenges with uh, logistics and, and not having things available. It's hurting uh, the appliance market. It's hurting uh, housing and real estate and uh, the, the, the automobile industry. Um, and, you know, how is this kind of this, we all used to think about just in case, right? Uh, and now it's kind of, I mean, just in time, right? And now it's just in case and we really want to stockpile more, maybe even as, as, a, as a business, as a, as, a, as a company, but seem like also as consumers, we got to have a lot of toilet paper and stuff, right? <laughs> How is that impacting industrial? Very much so. What you see is the supply chain for everything from groceries to automotive products, rethinking and rehubbing uh, distribution. Uh, supply chains uh, used to have a pretty routine. It's based on the economic order quantity model. It hasn't changed since uh, Fayol and Taylor built it back in the 1930s. Uh, but uh, what has really changed is the variables that go into it. Demand, well, I'm going into a store. I may only need one, but I'm going to buy 10. It's called forward buying. And so these things are occurring. How long does it take to get there? Well, again, you have other sorts of limitations that are occurring that 
maybe I can't get Connex boxes turned around fast enough to China to be able to import it. So one of the things that you see is that being changed, uh, those kind of models being changed, and businesses are reacting to it. Like again, from grocery to uh, manufacturing, uh, they're rehubbing localized distribution and how to do that, where to get the building, where to get the land space to be able to do that. I see where Alibaba just came out today and said, we're going after Amazon. We're going to be able to ship things out of China and meet the two-day demand just like Amazon does. We'll see how that goes. I'm sure they're going to use rehubbing type of capabilities along with that. It was in the Wall Street this morning. Yeah. You know, I'm a, a broker and I sell income properties. And, you know, when I do pro formas about rent increases, if I put in 3%, you know, some buyers will go, ah, that'll never happen. But what kind of rental increase uh, did you see for the national average for industrial space uh, as a percentage increase in the last year? Well, we've seen, well, in the last year, year to date, we're only halfway through the, but in 2020, we saw like a 7% uh, type of increase on it. Wow. And so, uh, and again, that's dependent. That's dependent on which area you want to go to. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, we see a continuation. That's why it's such a hot area right now. Yeah, and that's got to be impacting cap rates uh, on properties that are selling today when uh, you realize that uh, your future rents uh, are going to be a lot higher in most cases. So what are you seeing for cap rate trends in industrial? Cap rate trends have started to stabilize. They really, you know, when compared to somewhere around three to four, you know, pick it. Uh, but what we've also seen is a stabilization. They're not continuing to decline over the, the next 18 months. They're actually holding. So that's a very uh, positive when compared to other type of commercial real estate assets. Yeah. And what and what kind of cap rates uh, are you seeing? Things, you know, like, are you seeing some fives and sixes in industrial? In, those, in certain markets, yes. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And then another thing that you guys uh, wrote about, you guys put out a lot of uh, great information at Yardy Matrix uh, on the commercial real estate market. And one thing that urged me to uh, get you on the show again was uh, your article on uh, sale leaseback. Uh, so is that uh, picking up in the industrial space? Absolutely. That's, that's probably one of the, the biggest keys that we see in regards to uh, liquidity and being able to take some time, uh, take a property, you know, sell it. Uh, lease it back, freeze up your capital to do what you want to do. Some people are doing that permanent. Other people are not doing it. I think Bain Capital just did one in Chicago here for 700,000 square feet. Uh, and so that is probably one of the most underrated stories that we see right now. Leasebacks are big. I can take and use my money a lot more uh, intelligently and at the same time fulfill demand and build uh, market presence. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, what can happen on these sale leasebacks. Uh, you know, if if you run a, a business with very high credit and you would do a 20-year lease, we may be able to set up a sale leaseback where you even get the property back after 20 years. I mean, it's pretty crazy when the lease is long enough, you know, some of the flexibility and the things that can happen. Absolutely, and we especially see it too, again, around academic institutions, things like that. Uh, it seems to be very prominent as well. Yeah. So when you look at the uh, industrial space, Doug, I know what jumps out to you uh, as uh, opportunities out there. I think opportunities are such as uh, follow the migration patterns where people are going, where's your, where's your demand? Uh, where do you have uh, the most promising uh, availability of land with the best business potential? Uh, certainly that's one of the reasons it's driving the DFW area right now in Austin. 
they have land availability. They're not in urban cores, densely packed, things like that, where there's a finite amount of land or uh, zoning restrictions. So you see that that's occurring, and that that would be the opportunity. Also, uh, you know, that's what uh, Amazon is following. Where's their, their value proposition is, you know, put their locations where their best demand sites are first and pick it on down. Yeah, it's interesting. When I first got in the commercial real estate business many, many years ago, it's like the industrial guys were the uh, shuffling around in the dirty shoes and, uh, you know, not much excitement, no, uh, not much uh, spec building at all. Boy, now they've got beautiful, shiny shoes and building spec <laughs> all over the place. It's really changed, hasn't it? And they got a long-term uh, lead to say that they're going to have shiny shoes for quite a while. <laughs> uh, that's great, Doug. Thank you for joining us, sir. We appreciate you being on the show. As always, again, thank you very much, Michael. All right. Well, that's Doug Ressler, Business Intelligent Manager at Yardy Matrix. Uh, check him out. Hey, and please let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate you uh, rating the show and connecting with us on your favorite social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access One, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.